Luke chapter 24, 36 and following. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? That it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. Well, I like Jesus. He, he ate fish. <laughs> I love me some fish. Jesus did too. Broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today thanking you for your word. Thank you for thanking you for the testimony of Jesus Christ and what it means to us. And as we look at this text today, we know that it's history. We know that it's fact, that it's, that it's proof that your son Jesus truly did rise. That he appeared alive. That he had scars in his hands and his feet and his side. Lord, we love you and we ask that this word would be applied to the hearts of those that are here today. May your Holy Spirit, Lord, well up inside of us and illuminate your word. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. So I'm really excited about today. Uh, we'll be starting this, this new study on the book of Acts. But like I said, to get there, we have to go through some teaching and some preaching uh, through the end of Luke and really any of the Gospels. Uh, but I wanted to use this one in particular uh, because the person who wrote Luke is the person who wrote Acts. And so I just wanted to tie those two books together. Uh, it's an extension. Acts is, is an extension of the Gospels. We understand that. And so... To get there, we still have this passage of Scripture to tackle, to unpack, and to look at. Uh, and if there's ever a time for a, for a fresh fire to engulf our hearts for Christ and for His work, it's now. Amen. Yes. 
I'm just going to say that one more time, and I'm going to let you ponder it. If there was ever a time for us to have a fresh fire in our hearts for Christ and His work, it is now. I put a text on crew the other day, yesterday, saying, get, get your business done. Getting your business done. My kids are laughing at me because I tell them, get their business done. It's a time for us to get our business done. And that's the book of Acts. And that's what it tells us. That's what it shows us. They had business to do, work to contend with, and we still to, to do today. And if there was a time for that, it's now, especially since the majority of churches around this world has lost interest in their first love. Who's the church that lost interest in their first love, Dickie? Ephesus. Ephesus. They lost interest in their first love. You know over time that happens? Doesn't it? You get married. At first you're swooned. I'm getting there. Just hold on. At first you're swooned. You're smitten. There's a level of enchantment there. And then you got babies. And you're swooned and smitten by them. And the spouses are kind of left to get the scraps, the leftovers, right? Sometimes through those childbearing years, it's hard, isn't it? You lose sight and you lose focus of your first love a lot of times. And I'm just, not just talking about in the whole, I'm talking about daily because that's something that has to be done daily. And you lose that and sometimes you just got to go out on a date, don't you? We need a babysitter, by the way. We need a date. Really bad. And I got you, baby. I'll pay you. Don't worry. And so this is something that happens when we become a child of God, but yet when we see the, the small efforts of others, when we see the discouragement that's in the news, when we see others living contrary to what they say they are, what happens? It begins to plague us. And we lose sight of what we're called to do. I believe the church in America is in that position right now. I believe that the church in America has lost sight of its true calling. This is why people are sending missionaries to America. A hundred years ago, people were sending, America was sending missionaries out to other parts of the world, all over the globe. But now you have missionaries that are coming in to America from foreign places. Sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel with people that are lost. You know why? Because they view America as one that is lost. Mm, That is sad, boy. That is sad. To get to Acts, we must first go through Luke 24 and 36 and following. 
And we're going to see what Christ does, what He says, what He shows us in this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 24 and 36, listen to what it says. Remember, we're talking about losing our first love. Losing our first love. And baby, I still love you, by the way. I do. I do. 36. As they were talking about these things, what things? What happened at Jerusalem? This was right after the the crucifixion. And they were hiding. They were scared, weren't weren't they? They were scared. But what were they? They were gathered, right? Do y'all notice that? They were together. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Before Christ's ascension, he appeared to his disciples. And he came to make himself known. Because he wanted them to remember their first love. He is not dead. He is alive. And I want us to understand today, our first love is not dead. Our first love is still alive. And there are still people gathering together to faithfully worship a risen Savior. He's still alive. But he came and he revealed himself to confirm who he was and that he was real and indeed alive. And so he comes and he dwells in their midst. And you read the other scriptures that you see where he was in the midst of them. The middle of them. Which shows us something pretty clearly. And for the children of God, you have equal access to him. He's right there for all of us to touch and to see and to feel and to understand and to look at and to glean wisdom from. He's close. He's near, wanting relationship with you. You were his first love as well. The bride. But he came and he revealed himself to confirm who he was. And I want us to notice that whether in the house, they were in a house here, whether in the house or in the mountaintop, where you see the ascension take place, or whether in the upper room, God's people were what? Together. Together. This is why assembling ourselves together is so important. Because when we do, He promises that He is with us. Do we understand that? I believe that this fact has grown cold to many people. Don't take it lightly that when blood-born, redeemed children of God meet, don't take it lightly that the presence of the Lord is with them. This is not to be just shut off and say, oh, we know that, don't worry about it. No, He's ruling and reigning among us when we gather. We got to remember that. The answer is that they gathered together. 
They gather together in good times and in bad times, in times of persecution. Guys, I'm going to tell you, we need the Lord now more than we do ever. This is not a time to be quitting. This is not a time to be skipping out on a service. This is not a time. What if the, today was the last day that you got to hear the gospel message? The last time you got to hear the word of God proclaimed from the pulpit. What if the last day, today was your last day to hear that? No more. You'd pay attention. And so here... We see that Christ is fixing to give some last examples before He goes to glory. He's going to give these last examples and it's going to be a template. It's going to be a, a, a thing for them to follow as they go out and proclaim the good news. What does He tell them? Peace to you. When Christ appeared to them, it scared them to death, didn't it? Because he came through the wall. How does that happen? We don't know, but he did it. It ain't for us to know yet. We don't have a glorified body yet. One day we will and one day we'll understand it, but not right now. All that we know is he appeared in the midst of them and it scared them to death. So he settles their hearts with just a few words. He says, peace to you. Not just as a greeting, but also to settle their hearts. So often when the Lord shows up in a person's life, when the Lord shows up in a person's life, one of the first things that they do is panic. Why is that? Because they're confronted with sin. They're confronted with truths of God's Word that they don't know how to deal with. And it's scary. It's a scary place to understand that the weight of God's wrath is hanging above you because of your sin and because of your wickedness. It's a scary place. I can remember when I was called to preach, it was a scary place for me. I did everything I could to get away from it. I didn't want to be around it. And the whole time the Lord was saying, peace to you. If you just follow me, I'll make it okay. You can do this. If you just follow me. But I didn't want to. It scared me to death. Because I was backward. And I was weird, Euless. I was an introvert. I didn't want to be around people. I wanted to be isolated. I wanted to be by myself. And you're calling me to be in front of people, to lead people, and to preach the gospel. I don't speak well. Like Moses. My tongue gets all twisted up at times. My head gets all jumbled. And it's hard when we're presented with the Lord before us. Calling us to go and to do something. But we have to remember that if he has control over the storm, if he has control over the waves, if he has control over the sky and over the wind and over the earth, because he set it all into motion, then I promise you, you can trust him with that control over your life. 
And he comes and he says, peace to you. 37. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus, from the moment he entered the room, he knew that they had doubts in their heart. He knew it. And he knows that we have doubts in our hearts today. You ever have doubts? Does the enemy ever isolate you and say, did God really say that? Are we really supposed to live holy? Is God's word really enough? You can justify that sin. He didn't really mean to be holy because he's holy. Well, you can't never be like that. Oh, yes, we can. And he calls us to it. In the righteousness of his son, we are dressed. And he calls us to walk in that way and in that manner. We have doubts. They well up and they, they swell up inside of us. And so Jesus comes here and he, and he comes to, tr- to, to settle their troubled hearts. Not only peace to you, but he also comes not only to speak to them, but to prove to them who he is. Through evidence. When you have evidence, it kind of seals the deal, doesn't it? Evidence seals the deal. Through evidence, through proof. Fact. Through fact. And all these things were reaffirming their faith in Him. He didn't just say, trust in me and then just go on about your business and you'll be fine. Look at how Christ comes back to them. How often does He come back to you? How often does he visit with you? Daily, multiple times a day, does he not? Every time you mess up or every time you need something or every time you're thankful for something. He reminds, and as I grow older, I'm reminded of more and more, even though a lot of it's bad. But there's a lot of it that's good that the Lord continues to reaffirm that He is with me, that He will never leave me, that He will never forsake me, that He is in my presence, that He is with me. Touch and see. Ten little fingers. Ten little toes. Remember? Ten fingers and ten toes. Our Lord, our Lord was human. Amen. Yes. But there was also four holes that we got to remember. That more than anything, He was showing them. Four holes. Ten fingers, ten toes, and four holes. In His hands, 
And in his feet. Check it out, guys. Look, I'm, I'm real. I'm the, I'm the real deal. Is what he's showing them. Touch and see. I am flesh and I am bone. Verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. Right? I can see him and I don't know if he was smiling or discouraged because they were doubting or what. But I kind of feel like there was a smile there. He's like, look, guys. Look. I've got real hands and feet. And also, look. You see the scars there? You see those scars? They're real. You reckon those scars disappeared when he ascended? They're still there. When he entered into glory, the whole place erupted. Why? Because he had done something that nothing, no one else could ever do. He beat death. The holes were there as proof to reaffirm their hearts, to settle and to bring peace to them. Also a little bit unsettling if you think about it. Because if he died, then what about his disciples that are going to follow after him? Those holes kind of speak two sides, don't they? Look at these. They reaffirm that I love you, that I did this for you. But also, remember... If you follow me, it's a call to die. Not a call to play. 40 through 43, listen to what it says. And when he had said this, he showed his hands and his feet. And, they were, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? Now, he didn't need food. Jesus didn't. Nor will we need it in glory. But we'll be able to do it. Because it will bring pleasure to us. Just as it did in the garden. Just as work brought pleasure to them in the garden. They were to dress it and they were to keep it. They didn't need the food. But they had it. Jesus didn't need it. But he wanted it. It was was pleasurable for him. And so... He asked, do you have anything to eat? Don't you see that Christ, your your first love, wants to spend time with you? That He wants to dine with you? Have we come so far to forget that Jesus is someone that is intimate with us? He wants to spend time with us. When my wife and I go on a date, she sits across from me. And I look directly into her eyes. And sometimes she'll even say, I want to sit next to you. But it's a time of intimacy. It's a time where we can reflect upon each other. Do we realize that Jesus calls us to come and to dine with him. Just as David called Mephibosheth to come to his house because he was part of Jonathan's lineage, he told Mephibosheth, Come! 
And he came to, the, came to the king's table. And he sat there and he ate with him. So he calls us the same. He wants to spend time with us. Do you have anything to eat, he says. Let's move on. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. With his real teeth. He ate. Then he said to them, 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses. What's the law of Moses, guys? The first five, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was the first five. So from the beginning all the way to the end, you notice that the, the Psalms is there kind of in the middle. And then Malachi is last, we know, according to God's word. He's the last prophet there. And so, so listen to what he says. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Christ looks at them in their eyes of doubt. And they were kind of in amazement, in amazement and awe. And he says, this is what I've been trying to tell you. I am the one that the... Remember, they didn't have a New Testament. He comes and he says, this is what I'm trying to tell you. I am the one that the book of Moses speaks about, that the Psalms speak about, and that the prophets speak about. I am the one. They confirm me. They speak about me. There is ample proof and ample evidence of the gospel message and of Jesus Christ, the Christ, in the Old Testament. Enough for the disciples to be sent out under the influence of the Holy Spirit and to preach Jesus straight out of the Old Testament. This is the moment where the light bulb goes off for them. You ever had that moment? Let me ask you a question. Not in school or anything like that. I'm talking about you ever had that moment in church or in devotion or in prayer or in reading God's word where the light bulb goes off? That's the illumination of the Holy Spirit showing you truth in his word. I've told you all this before and I'll tell it again. Casey and I were dating. We're sitting on her couch. It was very, very late. We were having a Bible study. Guess where we were at? Genesis chapter 3. Imagine that. My favorite book. And I got to the part of the coats of skins that the Lord God made for Adam and Eve. And as soon as I read it, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to what that scripture meant. I'll never forget it. The understanding was made known to me. 
There are scriptures that I read and there are parables that I've taught from. There are passages that I come back and read years later that have a deeper meaning and understanding to me. Why? Because not only have I grown in Christ, but the Lord continues to reveal new things to me through his already written word. He enlightens me and understand, makes me to have understanding on these things. So listen to what he says in verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's that aha moment. That light bulb over your head going off moment. You remember that. Those moments where he's done that in your life. It shows that he is with you. It's showing that he has opened your mind. It is showing that he is affirming and reaffirming that relationship that he has with you through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That light bulb goes off. And it's not out of intellect. It's not out of your own smarts as so many people think it is. If we can just learn, 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 and learn more, then maybe that will buy us salvation. Don't work that way. It comes from illumination of the Holy Spirit in a person's life through the written Word of God. Not through human intellect. The Lord reveals that to us. 46, and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Thus it is written where? Where was it written? Where, guys? Tell me, somebody tell me. Thus it is written. No New Testament was given. Old Testament. Thus it is written. You say, where is it written? In the law of Moses and in the Psalms and in the prophets. I don't have enough hours in my life to go over how many times it is written in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it is a crying shame that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the scribes, that they couldn't see it when they were doctors of the Word of God. But yet he chose the simple fishermen, didn't he? To open their eyes to see the treasures of God. He said to them, Thus... It is written. Christ not only used appearing before them. He not only used his hands and his feet to reaffirm them. But more than anything, he used his word to console them. And it would be his word that he would be using as they go into the book of Acts. As we go into that and as Luke writes about it, you're going to see that over and over and over. But let's move on because I still got one page of notes and I'm I'm just about done. Please stay with me. This is where it gets really, really important. Christ tells them here, he says, my sufferings, he says, my sufferings, my death, my burial, my resurrection is all through the entire Old Testament. 
It is there for you to see. It is there to reaffirm, to console, to encourage you that I am real. Verse 47. And this is where it gets really important because this is the template that's going to be used as they go into the book of Acts. 47. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. It's neat to me that these are some of Christ's last words before his disciples. Before his ascension. These are some of his last things that he says. But you know that they're also some of the first things that he says. Some of the very first things that he says. Before his sermon on the mount. In Matthew chapter 5. After his baptism. After his being driven into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Where the angels came and ministered to him afterwards. Before he went on to preach that famous Sermon on the Mount. There was something that he did and something that he said. That looks a whole lot like the last words that he spoke. Listen to what it says. We've already read it this morning. Go back to me with me to Matthew chapter 4. And I'm guys, I'm telling you, I've just got a few more minutes. Please pay attention to this last part. Matthew chapter 4. Oh, and by the way, I got, I'm sorry, I got a lot more. <laughs> but I'm not going to go over all of that today because I want to leave you with this because it's already 12.05 and I want to be, I want to, I want to be very, very uh, cautious of and, and concerned with your time. And I know that it's Sunday and, and you know, you got people to see. And I, I want to leave you with this theme and this thought before we dismiss. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 4. Listen to 12 through 17. Now when he had heard, he had already been baptized. He had came out of the wilderness by this moment. In verse 12, Matthew 4, he says, Now when he had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Verse 17. 
From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as he closes in 47, in Luke 24 and 47, you see in that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You see, I want you to see the the beginning and the end, the parentheses around Christ Jesus' ministry was to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have to understand that this was on his lips in the beginning and this was on his lips in the end. The first words that he was speaking to his disciples were still the same last words that he spoke to his disciples. And that would be the same, very same words that his disciples would carry on in Jerusalem. We have to, I mean, is anybody here this morning? The forgiveness of sins? Repentance and forgiveness of sins? Turning from the old and being forgiven. I mean, Jesus tells us that this is what is to be preached. If he preached it in the beginning and if he preached it in the end of his life, the disciples that were gathered at Jerusalem should preach it. And not only them... But those that he calls and that he saves are still called to preach it today. And this is why America has lost its first love. Because they have forgotten Jesus in their sermons. They have traded out counseling sermons and how to do this and how to do that like it's YouTube and Pinterest for the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the proclamation, the good news is that we can have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Our sins can be washed away. The things that you've done in the past, the things that you're currently doing can be taken away from you. You can be in right standing before a holy and a righteous God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Is that, I mean, have you lost that this morning? Have you lost the love for that? I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The church has lost its first love. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son sent from glory to redeem a people unto Himself. Not only have they lost their first love, but they have stopped sharing it. They've quit sharing it with others. It's kind of like going through a mall, a really, really busy mall. And everybody's going the same direction. Everybody's trucking along. And you know how the malls go. There's a group going on one side this way and a group going that way on the other side. Just like the roads. And you're going along through there. But then the Lord calls you and he says, this is the way, walk in. And he turns you around. And you start going up upstream against the grain. 
You start going upstream against the grain. And as you go upstream against the grain, you know what your job is? Your job is to grab those that are passing by you and to say, this is the way, walk in it. As you walk upstream, your job is to say, this is the way our Father has called us to come and dine. This is the way, walk in it, come and go with me to my Father's house. As we start the book of Acts, you're going to see that the disciples didn't leave stones unturned. To the hedges, to the highways, and to the byways, even to the Ethiopian eunuch. They went out into the desert for one or for a thousand or five thousand, saying, this is the way, walk in it. Saying, come with us. Eat with us. Partake of Christ with us. Today the church, it seems to me, for the most part, the vast majority, has forgot that. That we have a job to do. And that job is to preach the gospel. Each and every one of us. It's to share the good news and the proclamation of Jesus Christ to those that we are around. To grab them by the elbow as they walk by you and say, no, 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 no. That path leads to destruction. Let me share with you the right path. It's a path that's hard. It's a path that there's a lot of struggles. It's a path where there might even be death and scars. Scars and death. But it's the path of salvation and forgiveness of sins. My question for the church. Remember in Revelations he was writing to the seven churches. My question to the church is have you lost your first love? Have you lost that enchantment? There's been times in my ministry where I've lost that enchantment for Jesus. I've grown stale and grown cold. Where my fire turned into an ember that was barely flickering. Barely putting off smoke. But the scripture is clear that he will not put out the smoking coal. The burning flax. But he will blow on it and engulf it. And so there's hope for you if you have lost your first love. If he's not become a priority anymore in your life, make him a priority. It's going to take work. If you're a child of God and you've lost that, you're going to have to regain that and make that a priority. I'm not talking about regaining your salvation. I'm talking about reestablishing that fellowship with the Son of God. This is what we need in the church today. This is what we need In our town, that's falling apart. This is what we need in our country. That's why other people are sending missionaries to us. Because the USA has lost its first love on a vast majority. So this morning, examine your heart. Have you lost your first love? If so, you can regain that enchantment 
you can regain that sparkle, that love for him. But it's going to take work. It's going to take getting back in his word, spending time with him, repenting and confessing to him, a lot of time on your knees. And you can have that. For those that are lost, the scripture is still clear. From the Old Testament, the gospel was preached. Into the New Testament, the gospel was still preached. Jesus preached it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is turning from your sins. And what brings about repentance? Godly sorrow. Sorrow over your sins brings about repentance. And repentance brings about illumination. Brings about humiliation. It brings about illumination. Brings about new life and forgiveness of sins. You can be forgiven today by placing your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior. You can do that. God's called you this morning. You can do that. If you need to make that known to the church, you can do that. If you need to be baptized, you can do that. These are things that God has called us to do as disciples. Whatever He is calling you to, I pray that you wouldn't be scared about it as the disciples were when they saw Him. That you wouldn't panic. But remember that peace was preached to them. And I tell you today, it's still the same way. Peace to you. Do what you got to do in the Lord according to His Word. Let's pray.